Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. The United States has long loved the image of the great American hero, George Washington with his men crossing the icy Delaware River, Douglas MacArthur leading his troops in the Pacific theater of World War II, the SEAL Team 6, capture and death of Osama bin Laden. And of course, Hulk Hogan, body slamming Andre the Giant in front of 30 million people at WrestleMania 3. It's moments like these, frozen in time, that make legends out of men. Hulk Hogan was an absolute global icon in the 80s and 90s. He was the star of the WWE for over a decade, all over TVs around the world, on products from action figures to anal beads. Just kidding about the anal beads, but the dude was everywhere. I mean, who doesn't remember their favorite meal at Pasta Mania, Hulk's restaurant in the Mall of America in Minneapolis? The squeaky clean image of Hogan helped get him to the top and capture the hearts and minds of fans around the world. But just like most other humans on the planet, not everything would be picture perfect forever. Just like a heel in the ring, Hogan showed over the years that he was not afraid to do some dirty work to get what he wanted. But do all the stories that have come out against the Hulkster make him a bad person? Or just show that the real American himself is, at the end of the day, just another dude trying to make it in this world? Pick out the baddest ring intro music you can find. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and get ready for the Hulk Hogan story to run wild on you in this episode of Asshole Court, brother. All right, right off the top, we want to give a shout out to Magic Mind. Magic Mind sent us some of their product. Um, it is a nootropic and vitamin-based energy shot that you take in the morning. Helps keep you concentrated and focused throughout the day. And I want to give them a big thanks. They sent us some product and uh, really absolutely appreciate that. That was really cool. Yeah, appreciate it, Magic Mind. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody out there has some product they want to send us, man, just hit us up. We'd we'll love to get give some. You a shout. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's anal beads. Hulk Hogan anal beads. <laughs> We're talking to you, Hulkster. Look here, brother. I'm going to put them right at my asshole. <laughs> I need some of that Hulk Hogan lube to go with it. <laughs> there you it. go. It's the Ultimate Warriors lube. It's the Ultimate Lube. That's right. <laughs> Awesome. Let's get some pre-show scores for Hulk Hogan. Mikey, start us off. Okay, I was a massive Hulk Hogan fan in both iterations of Hogan. One of my very earliest memories is trying to catch a flight as a kid, and I had the Hulk Hogan doll. And I think I was oh, yeah. about four, and we oh, were yeah. flying from L.A. to Lexington, and we were running late. And me and my mom were like literally running to the gate, and I dropped my Hulk Hogan doll. And my mom was like, we don't have time. We're going to have to just leave it. 
And I was like really upset. And this dude ran and grabbed my like Don like brought it to me, like ran it up to us or whatever. Here you go, brother. Yeah, look here, brother. And it was actually Macho Man Randy Savage. Hey. No, that's that's not true. Um, but no, that's uh, I was a huge wrestling fan in the eighties. Uh, and it's still strange to me that it's obviously it's WWE, but in my mind it's always gonna be WWF. Right. That's how I remember yeah. Hogan and Junkyard Dog and uh Ricky the Dragon Steam, but all those guys. And then of course in the nineties became an even bigger fan because I was a huge Scott Hall and Kevin Nash fan and when they became NWO Wolfpack. and it was like the biggest thing in the world when Hogan turned heel yeah. and became like a bad guy yep. and that was right prime for my weed smoking rebellious teen years and I was like Hogan just keeps getting cooler we talked about in other shows like that's when America started rooting for bad guys yeah. more yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like professional wrestling has had a hard time because the bad guys usually get more cheers yeah. than the good guys. And they're like, what the fuck? How can, wh what's the deal here? Yeah. We're the ones. Gotta, to be the now the good favorites. guy is like the bad guy. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a mirror image. We live in bizarro world, apparently. And I mean, that almost uh, mirrors life today. Cause it's like the bad news travels fast while yeah. the good news is just like, yeah, nobody cares about it. Hear about that. Uh, but there was actually a really good show on, uh, it's on Peacock now. I guess it was the USA. That was, it's called evil. That it talks about like legendary wrestlers and their times like turning heel or whatever it is. I haven't watched wrestling in years. I really gave up at the end of the NWO era, but it did cover Hulk Hogan, which was uh, the most interesting one, and Ric Flair, which I was really hoping was going to be the most interesting, but the Hulk Hogan episode was much better. So, anyways, that being said, like Monster Hogan fan, although I don't know a lot of the specific details aside from what I watched in, um, you know, it's the kayfabe thing, right? Like, you're not supposed to know what the business deals are in the background. You don't find that out until decades later. And I haven't paid attention to wrestling in years. So I'm going to start them off with a 4.5 just because I know there's some shit in there or whatever. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I, right. I'm a big fan. And uh, that's all I got. Awesome. 4.5 from Mikey. Buddy, what do you got? All right. So for me, um, you know, I liked wrestling back in the, like, Mid to late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> WWF uh, arena. Something. Yeah. Wasn't that back when uh, the Microman or the dude. Micro Machine. Micro, Micro Machine was doing yeah. all the announcing and stuff like that. Did he he do was on thing? there. He was on there yeah. a few times. But I think he's like a Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bald little guy. That, yeah. Yeah. Mean Gene was awesome. So, but for me, you know, wrestling is always, in my mind, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, yep. Ultimate Warrior, Sting. Like, that was kind of like my time that I watched it a lot. Yeah. And then, um, as Mikey alluded to, when the NWO came out and Hulk was joining into that, I remember, you know, me, Mikey, and Randy would all be over at Randy's house, you know, oh, yeah. blazed out and just watching that. And that's, you know, I watched a little bit of it then, but to me, it's just... It's the male soap opera, yep. and uh, I just had a hard time. You know, it was like, for me, it was cool for a little bit, but then I it just lost interest. Yeah. Um, but I always loved Hulk. Um, he is a showman. Uh, I mean, just listening to him talk. Uh, God, sometimes back in the day when he's like, me and the macho man are coming together, and when we come together, a new galaxy is born. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's just some of the stuff that he said was some of the craziest shit. And it was like the, the, the 80s in a nutshell, it felt like. There's certain people, like, that you can group all together, you know, it was... Hulk Hogan, it was Sylvester Stallone, yeah. it was Schwarzenegger. You know, there's one thing that really stands out to Hogan, and I don't mean to interrupt here, buddy, that, you know, really sits nice and true with me, is he was at the height of his fame, like, prior to good hair implants. 
that motherfucker <laughs> was as old as I am and just grew out like the mad professor, long hair, blonde yeah, on the sides. Oh, and he wore it with pride, too. Absolutely. He know. had some silky ass hair. Oh, yeah. 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 Silky ass hair. Yeah. Man. Versus like Macho Man, who, you know, he would wear the bandana, but yeah, it, it was more frizzy yeah. off to the Macho side. Macho Man had pubes for hair. Yeah, That's why sure. he had to wear the cowboy hat and the, the ski goggles and all that. But yeah. But, all right. Sorry. I yeah. digress. But so, I mean, I loved it when I watched it, but, you know, I didn't really keep up with it and I didn't keep up with any of the real uh, the wrestlers lives afterwards. But, you know, I do every once in a while you see, you know, Hogan on TMZ throughout the years and you know that he's had some trouble. And, um, you know, just to me, it speaks to him as just being an average man. You know, even though he is, you know, the Mr. Limelight, he has a lot of real world stuff that happens to him. So I'm interested to see what we uncover here in the show today. I got to imagine for somebody who is the top of the wrestling world that there were some people that he stepped on along the way to advance his career. And I hope that's not the case, but I, I just have a feeling that it is. So for me, pre-show, um, I'm going to go with a 5.3 for the Hulkster. And uh, let's see where he lands by the end of the show. All right, 5.3. Randy? Bring us home. All right. So I was a huge wrestling fan growing up, and we'll kind of get to it a little bit in the show. We're not going to dive too deep into like wrestling details. This yeah. isn't like a wrestling podcast. We'll nerd out a little bit. A little it's bit. It's impossible not to. But yeah, but right. I mean, like, how many seasons are there? Like, you would have to go over so much. Brother, it never ends. That's right. <laughs> but living in the South, right, when I was real young, we only had access to watch NWA at the time, National mm-hmm. Wrestling Alliance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then it kind of blew to WCW, which did is they Atlanta. did they just like shut things down when the when Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and everybody put out. <laughs> they're like, what are we gonna name ourselves now? They're all like, fuck the police, yeah. brother. And that doesn't second. look good for us. <laughs> we'll call it WCW. Um, Big Boss Man's gonna be pissed. <laughs> so anyway, they didn't show the WWF down south, so we never really got to see a lot of like the prime time, like back in the day, live yep. WWF wrestling. We always had to see it like on the replay on Saturday mornings and stuff. Wasn't that because it was like more localized Very per regional. region? Very yeah. regional. Yep, yeah. yep, absolutely. But I remember the video game back in the arcade, back in the day, WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. That, that had yeah. Oh, all yeah. the guys in it, and I just remember that was like a highlight yeah. to play it. Yeah. But Hogan has played many different faces like throughout his career. I do know about some of the stuff that kind of got him in some trouble outside of the ring, so I knew a little bit going into this. Um, so I had him pre-show to 5.5. Okay. All right. With a 4.5 from Mikey, a 5.3 from Buddy, and a 5.5 from Randy, Hulk Hogan's pre-show asshole score is a 5.1. 5.1. All right. So that makes a lot of sense. 5.1 pre-show, Hulk Hogan and Tila Tequila yeah. are right on in line with each other. <laughs> I can see that. Hulk Man. Hogan and Tila Tequila. And they actually have some... Uh, uh, crossover, yes, a little bit, and we'll see. Late, Pretty excited late in the about that. Oh, hear about that. It. They both uh, hung out with Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> Possibly is Hulkster a, a neo Nazi? He's not a Nazi. <laughs> no, I'll say that with confidence. No, he's not. All right. So uh, before we get into the show, I wanted to give a big shout out to all the folks on Patreon that voted for this show. Yeah. So the options were Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Triple H, and then you had the option to write in a vote. And uh, and Hogan was the clear cut winner. Yeah, I think uh, we had like a Chris Benoit right in. Oh yeah. God, that one would be rough. Yeah. And uh, a Gilberg. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah, and a couple others. But uh, yeah, Hogan, Hogan was the clear, clear winner. Yeah. yeah, by a landslide. So again, if you two want some uh, voting power in future shows, swag, whole bunch of cool shit, we're getting ready to send out the next run of uh, stickers out to all of our Patreon members. So check it out, patreon.com slash AHC podcast. All right, boys, you guys ready to run wild with some Hulk Hogan shit? Let's do it, bro. Terry Eugene Balea was born in Augusta, Georgia on August 11th, 1953 as the third son of construction foreman Petro or Peter Balea and homemaker, musician, dance teacher, Mother Ruth Balea. Yeah, that's right. I forgot his last name was Balea. Yeah, Terry Terry Balea. Terry Balea. Yeah, Hulk Hogan's much better. Yeah, tear up your butthole. That's right. (laughs) Young Hulk wasted no time running wild on his mother's vagina, weighing in at 10 pounds, 7 ounces at that his is birth. a Thanksgiving turkey, dude. Oh, wow. That is a butterball getting pushed out. Yep. God, you got to pray for a C-section on that one. So I came out heavy as well, just shy of 10 pounds, and I, I, I was a C-section baby, too. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. Absolutely not. That can't happen. She, <laughs> yeah, no. I, don't, I was Woo. like right at 7 pounds. Okay. Yeah, right. I was in that 7 pound. I also was born as a snake, so it was really easy for <laughs> Just dropping a water moccasin. <laughs> to go with that chunky frame, baby Terry had a massive head as well. The running joke in the family when he was young was, when the hell was Terry going to grow into that big old melon he's got? And I've seen pictures. He had a big head. Yeah. Like kept on falling over as a kid. I mean, his dad was like, you ruined my sex life, Terry. <laughs> ruined it. It's like the Grand Canyon now, yeah, Terry. He was like, I just, I can't feel anything anymore. It's horrible. And I feel, oh, I love you, son, but God, you ruined it. When Lil Hulk was less than two years old, his family picked up and moved to Tampa, Florida, where he would spend the bulk of his youth. Terry was a good student early on and turned out to be a standout Little League pitcher. And from one report I read, said he wound up eventually getting scouted by the New York Yankees and Cincinnati Reds as a teenager. Wow, really? As a, as a pitcher. So he must have played high school ball then. It didn't have too much about it, and I don't know. Because I'm like, everybody gets scouted if they're celebrities. But also, I'm like... They're also geniuses. Yeah, right? also geniuses <laughs> that have a monster IQ. But I just imagine like you're sitting there at like a, your kid's 12-year-old Little League game, and you look over, and there's like a fucking major league scout. <laughs> He's got a radar gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, this kid's definitely pitching about 67. Definitely he's going to the, to the majors. <laughs> One thing that was always the truth was Terry was definitely the biggest kid in his class. He was six foot five and weighed 250 pounds by his senior year. Good God. And his mother said his usual breakfast around this time would consist of 10 to 12 eggs, three quarters of a pound of sirloin steak, and a quart of orange juice. Wow. Steak God. and eggs every morning, Steaks, man. eggs, and orange juice. His dad is just furious. <laughs> Ruined a sex life. He's like, it's so, it's like feeding a horse. It's funny. His dad's kind of like an, a smaller Italian guy. Oh, because that's, that's not his real dad. <laughs> that's not his real dad. The, the milkman. The neighbor. The, I shouldn't say smaller, but he he was old in the videos that I, I watched. Over. I just imagine in my mind their milkman looks like He-Man. <laughs> Like the real He-Man shows up, like Masters of the Universe, and he's like, "Here's your milk." And then, good yeah, to see you again, yeah, milk brother. He just fucking destroys Mama Belay's <laughs> vag, eats everything. His dad's just like, "Just something's wrong here." Hulk had shown interest in several areas, but at the end of the day, his two true loves were weightlifting and music. 
Yeah, brother. They go together. Yeah. You got to, you know, you definitely lift better to some hardcore music. So. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. He had begun to play the bass guitar, the fretless bass to be specific. Okay. And it started to play with some of the local other guys. After graduating from high school, the Hulkster took his talents to Plant City, Florida, which is just east of Tampa, and started attending school at Hillsborough Community College. Once he finished his two years there, he went down the road to study at the University of South Florida in Tampa. It was here that his life would take a turn for the better. Hogan teamed up with a group of dudes to form the band Ruckus. Yeah. With the Hulkster ripping the fretless bass and a wicked receding hairline by now, Ruckus actually became well-known locally and wound up playing parties and events almost nightly. Dude, we're down there all the time. Ebor City, bro. <laughs> this weekend, fucking fretless bass. Hey, Hogan, hit that fucking solo for us, dude. <laughs> See how big the bass player was in that band? He said, rip that bass solo like your mom's vagina. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure if you show up to a concert and you see a guy that's just like, Jesus Christ, who is that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of intimidating. Kind of a cool little aspect or nuance for the band. Oh, yeah. Hey, we have a fucking freak show giant. (laughs) They had to have have Hogan, like, when they were taking band pictures, he had to, like, stand, like, four steps back just so he would kind of look about the same size. Or those stupid album covers where they would stand at different Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like the doors, yeah. yeah. No, they go they go on tour though in a van, and like nobody can fit in there to sleep because it's his of his big ass. And they're like, dude, Robbie, we're making good money at the shows. I don't understand why we're not making any money. We're broke. We're barely have gas money. They're like, all right, what are we getting for breakfast? He's like, twelve eggs, uh, ha- uh, two steaks, dude. That should feed us all. No, yeah. that's for me. Hey, dude, where's the fucking manager? What's going on? <laughs> I ate him. <laughs> He's not Lenny from Mice and Men. <laughs> I ate him. <laughs> oh, my God. During his spare time, Hogan, this is a shocker, Hogan worked out at Hector's Gym in the Tampa Bay area where he began lifting. Many of the wrestlers who were competing in the Florida region visited the bars where Ruckus was performing. With all the gnarly gigs they were getting, Terry dropped out of college to focus on his musical career. Fuck a dude, I think I got a real chance with this fretless bass. If I keep on wasting my talents here in college, I'm never going to make it. Yeah. Ruckus is rolling right over you tonight, brother. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did the Seinfeld intro. <laughs> That's Hogan on a fretless That's bass. It. He was jamming out with Les Claypool back in the day. Funny you mentioned that, buddy. Hogan once claimed that he was big pals with Lars Ulrich and that Lars asked me if I wanted to play bass with Metallica in their early days, but it didn't work out. Okay. Wow. I imagine they were friends in the 80s after they were both like pretty famous. Maybe they bumped into each other. But at what point would Metallica be in like Ebor City? And like before they uh, record, like kill them all. Funny you ask, Mike. Okay. Following this quote, Ulrich was asked about this in an interview with Howard Stern. Ulrich had no idea who Hulk Hogan was, which I <laughs> there's I no don't fucking know way to know who yeah, Hulk Hogan no. is. But Hogan would later backpedal and say he sent an audition tape to be Metallica's bass guitarist, but didn't get a response. Ah, uh, uh, that's embarrassing, Hogan. It is. Yeah, that's embarrassing. When he when he's embarrassed, we're gonna call him Terry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a point on Terry's sheet. Mm -hmm. Through music, he discovered he loved entertaining people, and at one of his shows, Sports Entertainment discovered him. From an article in the Chicago Tribune, wrestling's famous Briscoe brothers noticed the now six-foot-seven Hogan strumming what looked like a toothpick in his hands. (laughs) Hogan also remembers this night well. 
He said he was on stage playing and he noticed a couple of the local wrestlers in the audience and that one had taken a liking to his girlfriend. Uh. He said after a set break, Hogan got off the stage and confronted the wrestler and got between him and his lady. Letting him know he wasn't going to continue to hit on his girlfriend right in front of him, the wrestler told him, if you think you're so tough, why don't you come down and try out for some real tough work? It's a, like it's choreographed dance. <laughs> Who wants some of that? Yeah, it's dangerous and it hurts. No way of knowing who would really win in a real fight, but you should try it out. Bring it on, or maybe we can spit roast your girlfriend right now. <laughs> Hogan and the man actually began having a conversation, and Hulk could tell the guy was being real about his desire to give wrestling a try. Impressed by Hogan's physical stature, the Briscoe brothers asked Hiro Matsuda, who was the man who trained wrestlers working for Championship Wrestling of Florida, to make him a potential trainee and got both Matsuda and Hogan to eventually agree. That was back in the day when your resume to be a wrestler was like, are you gigantic? Yeah. <laughs> Check. Hey, can you put these weird underwear on? Check. Check. All right, cool. Can you We're yell good. into this microphone? Yeah. Check. Even if you can't really do that, <laughs> yeah. we'll be okay. Just Can you breathe real yeah. heavy and sweat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need you to hike those underwear up above your navel. Check. <laughs> Done. Are your balls abnormally large? So they look good in them jockeys, son. I'll put tennis balls in there. Some of those dudes back then, you watch the 70s wrestling, and like I said, it looks like they're wearing a big-ass pair of BVDs that are like, <laughs> like their mom like sewed them for them out of like some old bicycle shorts. And you're like, I don't know if I were you, man. I would probably go with something else because you, you're so giant. Your wiener looks very small. And especially, too, because we've already talked about this on multiple episodes. This is how fucking weird our show is. We talked about uh, when you get the warrior peen. When you're working out, your dick gets smaller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're ruined. It's like know? going into the ocean, the Costanza. The yeah. Shrinkage. yeah. Yeah. So imagine what Booker T would really look like if he wasn't in full warrior peen mode. That's true. He'd have like a big letter C in his crotch. <laughs> He'd just curl around. <laughs> the motherfucking snake. They all change into shirts that say I'm a grower. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> so Hogan agreed to uh, to get into professional wrestling. The first time that they got together to train, they broke Hulk's leg. <laughs> we're off to a great start Hulk said, oh brother oh. I think they were just letting me know that I was going to have to be tough and to see if I could take the pain and physical demands Smart. he said hey 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 let's haze this guy let's break his femur and it, it, they <laughs> did on, like I'm... compound snap his femur but it was they, it was the lower leg broke okay. a bone broke his leg so this dude's trying to hook up with Hogan's girl tells him to come out and try out and then breaks his leg yep yeah and it's... then <laughs> Basically, the biblical story of when David is cheating with Bathsheba and he sends her husband to the front lines to die. <laughs> it's biblical here. Look here, brother. I broke my leg, babe. Where are you going? <laughs> Just out for a couple hours. In mid-1977, after training for more than a year with Matsuda, the Briscoe brothers dropped by the Matsuda gym to see Hogan. During this visit, Jack Briscoe handed Hogan a pair of wrestling boots and informed him he was scheduled to wrestle his first match the following week. Bro, my leg's still broken. <laughs> in his professional wrestling debut, Eddie Graham booked him against Brian Blair in Fort Myers, Florida on August 10th, 1977. Man, that guy exists. Brian Blair is Brian out there Blair. somewhere. He might be dead now, but... Yeah, he's like, I'm the first guy that ever wrestled Hulk Hogan. I'd be, I mean, I'd take that to the bank, bro. I'd yeah. tell everybody that shit. Sure. Yes, we know, Mikey. No, you were no, the no. first person. He was called Terry Balea. Do you guys know that? His name was actually Terry. At the time, his leg was broken. He's still beating me. <laughs> 
Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show's subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com and find us at AHC Podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want, get some input on who you want to hear about, and become internet famous with a shout-out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends, and you'll get all our new Conspiracy Court episodes. Go to patreon.com today and find us at AHC Podcast. Short time later, Terry donned a mask and assumed the persona of the Super Destroyer, a hooded <laughs> character first played by Don Jardine and subsequently used by many other wrestlers. Okay. The Super Destroyer was his first masked deal. Very early on, he wore a mask. What, what's that? What are those... Uh... Lucha Libre. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how fucking hot that is, dude. Oh, oh man. God. Yeah. God. And they're always like patent leather, too. They don't breathe. Those masks don't breathe. Yeah, and they don't absorb any of the sweat either. No, like, no. It just maybe streams into your eyes. wicking material on the they inside. Do, I'm sure there is like Under Armour has their own Lucha Libre <laughs> mask. That's right. Now. That's exactly right. <laughs> breathe right technology. That's right. <laughs> that thing's probably fucking stink, man. Oh. God. God. Hogan eventually could no longer work with Hiro Matsuda, whom he felt was an overbearing trainer, and left Central Florida Wrestling. After declining an offer to wrestle for the Kansas City circuit, Hogan took a hiatus from wrestling and managed the Anchor Club, a private club in Cocoa Beach, Florida, for a man named Whitey Bridges. That whole setup to me sounds like cocktail. Straight gangster. Or like cocktail, right? Like Whitey's yeah. the owner at the Anchor oh, Club, yeah. and Hogan's working for him. I could imagine him being more like a bouncer. Yeah, versus yeah. the bartender. I was thinking or, like Whitey Bulger. That's what exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. He was like his hitman from was that uh, Black Mass or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the I'm the biggest gangster here in Cocoa Beach. It's a sleepy <laughs> beach town. You'll love it. There's not a whole lot going on. That's why a lot of people move here. Beautiful beaches, and uh, I also kill people on the side. <laughs> and I work in High Lie, so uh, that's it. Yes, yeah. killed Ev- many people. <laughs> Eventually, Whitey and Hogan became close friends and opened a gym together. The gym became known as Whitey and Terry's Olympic Gym. Got real original with the title. Was there an, <laughs> is there an argument at one point? Could it, I mean, should it be Terry and Whitey's or Whitey and Whitey Tom? had the money, so. Uh, I mean, I'm good with it if you're good with it. If you're, I mean, if I, you mean I was just thinking alphabetically, Terry, then Whitey. Then Whitey. T-U-W. Maybe we should go T-W. If, you, if you want it to be Whitey, I mean, I'm good, you know. Yeah. I'll fucking kill you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, Hogan's Fred Ed Leslie later known to us as Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh, nice. Came to Cocoa Beach to help Hogan and Bridges manage both the Anchor Club and Whitey and Terry's Olympic Gym. Brutus the Barber melted so many panties in the 80s. Those, I don't know, anybody listening to this, your mom probably masturbated to Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> That's right. It's probably real, dude. That's when he right. would get out there and do the strip mode. Yeah. Oh. In his spare time, he and Leslie worked out in the gym together and eventually Beefcake developed a muscular physique Hogan was impressed by Beefcake's stature and became convinced that the two should wrestle together as tag team partners. Depressed and yearning to return to wrestling, Hogan called superstar Billy Graham, who is a pro wrestler, in 1970. Not, yeah, not that Billy Graham. <laughs> in 1978, with hopes that Graham could find him a job in wrestling outside of Florida. Graham agreed, and Hogan soon joined Louis Tillett's Alabama territory, like we talked about, super yep. regional. Yep. Hogan also convinced Leslie, who had yet to become a wrestler, to come with him. So Brutus the Barber's coming with Hogan to Alabama, and he promised to teach him everything he knew about the sport. So unless you're a serious wrestling fan and know about how local wrestling circuits work, I'll try to keep it to a very Reader's Digest version. 
So before the big national wrestling circuits came to be, each area of the U.S. would have their own pro wrestling company to kind of think about. You had the Florida circuit, the Georgia circuit, Carolinas, Alabama, so on and so forth. They were like ripped-ass carnies. Right. So, exactly. But you pretty much stuck to your own territory yep. unless you were invited to another territory by that promoter. Yep. It's like the South, the North, the oh, Mountain. Yeah. And what uh, was it? North Georgia Mountain Wrestling? North was, Georgia yeah. Mountain Wrestling was actually a thing. Yeah. I mean, how backwoods redneck does that That's sound? That's real. Yeah. Brother, I'm making a lot of money up there, dude. I made about $12,000 last year. Got a trailer. <laughs> Things are good. <laughs> You're paying for gold in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making extra money there. I was like $300 I did last year just selling people pans. In Alabama, Balea and Leslie wrestled as Terry and Ed Boulder, known as the Boulder Brothers. Okay. So very early on, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake were a tag team known as the Boulder Brothers. Ed Boulder. Ed Boulder. Not he was bad. Terry. Yeah, I think yeah. that was Ed. Yeah. These early matches as a tag team with the surname Boulder being used by both men prompted a rumor among wrestling fans unaware of the inner workings of the sport that Hogan and Leslie were actual brothers, as a few people actually knew their real names outside the immediate people within their workplace. After wrestling a show for Continental Wrestling Association in Memphis, Jerry Jarrett, a promoter for the CWA, approached Hogan and Leslie and offered them a job in his promotion for $800 a week. Far more than the $175 they were making a week now. Wow. Done, bro. Think about that. They got That's... a more than a four-time pay raise. Yeah. Is that Jeff Jarrett's dad? It's one of the Jarrett people okay. for sure. Yeah, the Jarretts are like wrestling royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett was probably the most well-known, but they've mm-hmm. been around the wrestling game for yep. 80 years probably. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. Oh, they're real. They're circus yeah. freaks with more money, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Hogan and Leslie accepted the offer and left Tillett's territory. When he got to Memphis, he continued to make a name for himself, but also began to see the darker side of the squared circle. Like I mentioned a minute ago, back in the day, different wrestling promotions were expected to stay in their own territories. Hulk found himself in Kansas City during a tour, and shit got real with another old-school wrestling legend, Harley Race. As the guy who ran the Kansas territory, Race was none too pleased to see Hogan in his show. While Hogan was in his dressing room, Race stormed into the building, into the dressing room, and proceeded to slap the Hulkster. Whoa. Oh. When Hogan quipped that he was surprised Race didn't have a weapon on him, this prompted Race to pull out his 38 special. Oh, Hogan said classic he was, 70s gun. <laughs> yeah. Snub nose of a wiener revolver. Hogan said he was petrified, but suddenly relieved when Race put it away and shook Hogan's hand. Hogan seemed to earn the respect of the leader of a rival promotion. That's ridiculous. This is crazy, wow. dude. The Bloods and the Crips went up against each uh, other, yeah, he, but they he, ended up shaking hands. So check this out, dudes. That guy, he was in that promotion. I was mad. I went in there, slapped him like a bitch. Then pulled my gun on And me. then I pulled my pistol out. This sweet piece I got right here, <laughs> Mr. Saturday Night Special. Now check it out. This guy doesn't freak out at all. At all. And then I realize he's got my respect. So I put it right back into my asshole, and I shook his hand. <laughs> that's when I said, you're my brother. That's it. And that's where the brother came from. There was not a fart that came out of him. No poop, no pee. <laughs> totally calm. It was also during his time in Memphis that Hogan appeared on a local talk show where he sat beside Lou Ferrigno, star of the television series The Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. Hey. The host commented on now Hogan, who is foot seven, weighing 295 pounds, with 24-inch biceps, actually dwarfed the real Hulk. Watching the show backstage, Mary Jarrett noticed that Hogan was actually bigger than Ferrigno, 
who was well known at the time for having large muscles. I don't know if you guys, our listeners are very familiar with the Incredible Hulk, but Lou Ferrigno was big swole. He's um, Doug Heffernan's neighbor on King of Queens. Oh, yeah. For any reference there that you might need. Yeah. Him and Schwarzenegger were like the bodybuilding heroes of the 70s, for sure. Sure. Absolutely. There's another guy, I can't remember his name, though, but... uh, 24-inch pythons. Yep, the 24-inch pythons. Yeah. And he was always flexing them. And yeah. wasn't he always pulling out, like, the measuring tape oh, for it as well? Them, and I mean, that is... Did it, I always thought he always ended up saying they were 27-inch, too. Or was it just 24-inch? I, I, I always know. read 24. Yeah. 24, yeah. yeah. I can't remember exactly, you know. Do you remember how big Scott Steiner's biceps got Dude, he was so roided out. So roided his, out. His facial structure changed. He was so yeah. roided out. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, he looked like a completely different person. Yep. But he had like you know you see somebody flex a big muscle like big bicep. He had another muscle on top of his yeah. bicep, a quadcep. It was a third. It was like the second gunman on the grassy knoll. Yeah. <laughs> but it did it like it was. I swear to God, if you do top to bottom, I bet his shit. If, Hulks were twenty four. His was thirty. I agree. Wow. Yeah. Dang, that was a, dude, by the point insane. he was wearing like the chain mail, like the hat or whatever. <laughs> you're like that dude is the definition of muscle bound. You know what I'm saying? I bet he has the hardest time wiping his own ass. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, have, he doesn't have to very often too because the steroids will plug you right up. He's the brother. Thing is, I just take, take shit once a week and I get my wife in here. Go ahead and just hit me with a fucking with pressure washer. <laughs> I just use a loofah. He gets Rick Steiner. He gets the, he gets the fucking gr- the dog, dog. <laughs> the dog face gremlin in there to fucking pressure wash his asshole. I, I can just envision Rick Steiner with he's still got the, the wrestling gear. Yeah, the wrestling the gear on his hat and a singlet on. Yeah. Hey, brother. Thanks, man. And he's just like, <laughs> I got you next week, brother. Power washing his brother's asshole. <laughs> that's, that's why you love this show. We just went off on, <laughs> on steroid poops <laughs> from Scott Steiner. There you go. There you go. So anyway, Hulk Hogan sitting next to Lou Ferrigno, a.k.a. the Incredible Hulk. As a result of that, Belay began performing as Terry the Hulk Boulder and sometimes wrestled as one of my favorite of all of his names, Sterling Golden. Sterling Golden? That sounds like a fake novelist or a porn star. I was going to say a porn star for sure. But I didn't know that's where the Hulk name came from. He sitting right next to Lou Ferrigno. He stole it from the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. So we just found out how the Hulk got his first name. Let's go ahead and put two and two together. In 1979, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Terry Funk of Roadhouse fame absolutely introduced Balea to the company owner-promoter Vincent J. McMahon, Vince McMahon's dad. Oh, wow. We did a show on Vince. Yep, Vince Jr. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, this is Vince Sr. Vince Sr. was impressed with his charisma and physical stature. McMahon, who wanted to use an Irish name, gave Belaya the last name Hogan and also wanted him to dye his hair red. Hogan <laughs> claims his hair was already beginning to fall out by that time and he refused to dye it, simply saying, I'll be a blonde Irish. So there it was, the blonde Irishman, Hulk Hogan. Well, and when you think of Irish names, you think Hogan first instead of O'Reilly or something <laughs> like that. O'Leary yeah. or yeah. Hulk uh, O'Brien, brother. <laughs> And I've dyed my hair red. This is what I'm talking about. When I get the ring, when I run wild on you. <laughs> my name's Hulko Hogan, brother. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Dude. These lucky what... charms are going to run wild on you, brother. <laughs> that's so insane, man. I if, if he had done his hair red, it never would have worked. No, no. Not, it would look like Bozo. Yeah. Like... <laughs> what is it, Anna Green Gables out there, bitch? <laughs> 
So Hogan wrestled for Vince Sr. in the WWF in the early 80s, very early 80s, and was starting to make a name for himself. But when Rocky reaches out to you directly with a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you got to make the most of it. One night after a match, someone handed Hogan a note that read he needed to contact Sylvester Stallone about being in Rocky III. Oh, nice. Hey, let's get that big Irish guy in my movie. Oh, Hogan. Yeah. (laughs) Hulk said he just laughed, crumpled up the note, threw in the trash, and went about his business. He didn't think anything of it until another note showed up a few nights later after a show that read the same thing. This time, he called the number on the note, and sure enough, it was sliced alone on the other end, asking him to be in the latest Rocky movie. Then they interviewed Sylvester Stallone, and he said, I don't know, this guy contacted me a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Just to refresh your memory a bit, Rocky, the first one, won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing, and it's considered one of the greatest sports films ever. It's a legitimately great movie. Stallone was nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor for his role. So it would kind of be like The Rock calling you and asking you if you want to be in a movie, but it would require you to take a little bit of time off work. So Yeah. 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 You take a little time off work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rocky is just an amazing movie. It's great, too, because even at the end, sorry, spoiler alert, he doesn't win. Right. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to do that in a movie. Yeah. It's, and and, and I, still be critically acclaimed. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. It's easy to have him win everything, but it's even better. That's the whole thing. Some It was based on uh, Chuck Wepner or whatever. So That's right. Yeah. I'll take the L in this one. But I'm not going to take the L and over the top. Yeah, dude. I, I imagine they reached out to Chuck Weather like this dude that uh, nobody knows is wants to write a movie about. He's like, fuck that. And now he's like, damn it. He sees Rocky 7. He's like, God <laughs> damn it. God, the royalties alone. Rocky 3 was a hit, but the biggest takeaway from the film was its theme song, Eye of the Tiger. Yep. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. Yep. That was in Rocky 3 when that one came out. But when the Hulk agreed to leave the WWF for a while to work on the movie, Vince McMahon Sr. fired him. Once the movie was over, Hogan went over to Japan to wrestle there. Again, for all you non-wrestling fans out there, Japan is a hub for professional wrestling. The style is different, much less flashy, much, much more technical. But the arenas are full and the fans are rabid, once again proving that there are rednecks in every culture. In 1982, Vince McMahon Sr. sold the WWF to his son, Vince McMahon Jr. Yes, the one you know of today, and yes, the person we did an Asshole Court episode on. And Vince Jr. handpicked Hogan to be the face of his franchise. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was the beginning of Hulkamania. That's weird. I didn't realize that he did Rocky before he was massive. I thought it was the... The opposite way. He had become famous in like 80, 81, but yeah, not yeah. like Hulkamania famous. Yeah, yeah. Left to do the movie, got fired. And then as soon as the movie was like peeking out and then going back down, Vince Jr. Yeah. hired him back on and said, you're going to be the face of the WWF. I remember back in the 90s when uh, me and a friend of ours uh, would go to Blockbuster Video and we would rent the old WrestleManias. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2. And 2, I believe was when it was him and Mr. T yep. versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I want to say. There oh, was, wow. In part one, it was Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. That's right. Mm-hmm. It was at the Pontiac Dome, I believe, right? Or that was, was that the second one? The third one was. Third one. That's when they had like 100,000 people. That is where he body slammed Andre the Giant. That's right. Okay. Oh, that wow. Was, Andre the Giant weighed 530 pounds. Yeah. Jesus. And he picked him up and yeah. body slammed That's him. how old we were. We had to go to Blockbuster Video to rent it, to see it again. <laughs> now you just pull it up on YouTube. 
Uh, that's awesome. So in terms of professional wrestling, Hulk Hogan had the total package. This dude is six foot seven, three hundred pounds, with legit twenty-four inch pythons. The crowd loved him, and he was great on the mic. Not the greatest, but good. He was very good. Yeah. Oh, but if you look at like some of his first interviews, it's horrible. Oh yeah. Like, oh, he yeah. had to go through some training. It was, it, he was not polished at all in the beginning. Well, if we had, uh, I guess, a debate on who the greatest on the mic is, I think. It's At least the Rock Ric Flair. Rock Stone Cold Ric Flair. Ric Flair. And what was great is watching <clears throat> Evil, like I was talking about earlier, they're showing Ric Flair in the very early days before he was the nature boy. And first of all, he was fat as shit. Yeah. Oh, really? And, before he got in his wreck. Yeah. yeah and he, uh, not amazing on the mic, very just subdued sort of. And I was just like, oh, wow, dude. So, yeah, it's just crazy. But Hogan was, was awesome on the mic. But, yeah, it's there's some some legends on there. Like I said, The Rock is definitely way up there. The Rock's there. awesome. Uh, sure. And Ric Flair, and yeah, but Hogan was good. There were also a lot of little things that made him a fan favorite. His intro song, Real American, by Ricky Dean Zeringer, just exudes patriotism. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. <laughs> so I'm talking about. And this is a good tie-in right around, this is dropping on around the 4th of July, so, you oh, know, yeah, very yeah. American oh, episode yeah. four. Oh, this was in the early 80s, it, like, America was like, we are fucking everybody, oh, dude, bro. <laughs> yeah, not, Wolverines! Not to mention, Hogan would come out to the ring with an American flag draped around him, yep. fucking fireworks going off all around. It was, like, the 4th of July, like, the local VFW every time yeah, he came out absolutely. to the ring. <laughs> Fans fell in love with him, and over the next year, Hogan became the face of professional wrestling as McMahon pushed the WWF into a pop culture enterprise with the Rock and Roll Wrestling Connection on MTV, drawing record houses, pay-per-view buy rates, and television ratings in the process. The first centerpiece attraction for the new show was going to be WrestleMania, held March 31st, 1985, WrestleMania 1. But leading up to the first WrestleMania, Hulk was doing a lot of media spots and one of the earliest examples of a controversial scandal that sent shockwaves through the WWF was when Hulk Hogan appeared on a lifetime talk show with Mr. T to promote the first ever WrestleMania. The show happened to be hosted by Richard Belzer, who years oh, later yeah. would join the cast of Law & Order SVU as John Munch. That's right, and also became super fascinated with the Princess Diana murder, or death, or whatever it was, the conspiracy, that we cover in the Princess Diana right. Patreon. Yeah, Richard Belzer. Exactly right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's that guy. I was like, Richard Belzer? How has this guy made, yeah, he's made a couple he's everywhere. Yeah, he had like his own talk show back in the day, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. He looks like he smokes three packs a day <laughs> and loves Princess Di. <laughs> Out of curiosity, Belzer asked Hogan to show him his best moves. Big mistake. Hogan applied a chin lock to Belzer, accidentally applying <laughs> too much pressure, and causing Belzer to collapse unconscious on live television. He put him in a rear naked, put him to sleep. It was almost like a guillotine. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. It was a front, front oh, wow. choke. Yeah. Well, and Richard Belzer's neck is about the size of a number two pencil. So, <laughs> yeah, well, the false. It's split. just meant to like convey cigarette smoke to his lungs. That's about it. Then he got a 24 inch python brother wrapped around. And then after that, that's when he got into conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, the fall split the back of Belzer's head wide open and inspired him to file a $5 million lawsuit against Hogan, oh. followed by an additional $5 million lawsuit. You asked for it. During his June 23rd, 2008 appearance on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio's Howard Stern Show, Belzer suggested that the real settlement amount in the end was actually closer to about $400,000. I choke me out for 400 G's, bro. <laughs> Especially in the 80s. But he's like, show me your best moves. He fucking puts him to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> My head 
my back, my head and my back. <laughs> dude. I need ten million dollars, dude. But uh, I settled out of court for four hundred thousand. Who was the one guy from twenty twenty, John? Something. C. Riley? No, 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 no. John Stossel from 2020 fame and now like super libertarian uh, got slapped in the mouth by what was the wrestler's name? David Schultz. David Schultz. Yeah, yeah I don't this- remember him. In an infamous interview where he was like, hey, see, what I understand is wrestling's fake. Is this fake? Slap. <laughs> I'm talking the fucking taste out of his mouth, bro. And now uh, that guy is, it's amazing because back in the 80s when I was a kid, like wrestling was debated on whether it was real or not. Now it's accepted. It's obviously entertainment. Hence them changing it from World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment. And what was great is when it happened, John Stossel, the guy that talked way too much <laughs> shit, that was like, "Oh, you're gonna take it there? <laughs> you're gonna, gonna punch me in the face?" And his answer was probably like, "Is it real to you? Is it it's real a, now?" Yeah, he's like, I'll show you what's real, brother. Yeah, no, it's amazing. These dude, so, back. The- and that's the thing, though. Like when you say, "Oh, it's it's fake." It depends on how you define fake. Right. Um, the outcomes are fake. Outcomes are fake. It's all choreographed. They are hitting those guys with chairs. Yep. They're not punching him in the face as hard as they can every single no. time. Obviously, there's stomps and. But accidents happen a lot. Oh, you know. Dude, I mean, are you, are you serious? Like, well, just think about the physics of it. when you see him jump like out of the ring onto it. Those rings are probably four feet high. They definitely are. Yeah. And even the ring itself is basically plywood with a mat. Oh, with springs underneath. Yeah. 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 So I mean, there's. They're ju- imagine jumping off of a fucking the top rung of a step ladder yeah. onto the ground and hoping that you and the guy like yeah. that's what the that's the equivalent of when John Stossel got his mustache slapped clean off of his face. It's just go YouTube it. It's fantastic. It's, it's like that movie, uh, The Wrestler. With, oh yeah, uh, what's his name? Mickey Rourke. Yeah, with Mickey yeah, Rourke. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of shows the the backside of that. Yeah. You know, all those wrestlers and oh, their later lives. Oh, and... when he fucking cut his finger on the slicer. Yeah, that was rough. That one's rough. That was rough. Ah. But that's I mean that's the thing. Like when we talk about like mankind, you know, and all the stuff that he did, like literally getting power bombed off the top of a cage onto tacks. Yeah, like that's real. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he had like a hundred tacks in his back. My name is Mankind, and welcome to Jackass. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> his name was Mick Foley. Mick Foley, that's right. Yeah. He was Dude Love, Cactus he was Mankind, Jack. Cactus Jack. Yeah, he was a whole bunch of different yeah, dudes. Yeah, dude, he would do Cactus anything. Jack. He oh, lost man. an ear. Yeah. Uh, it's cra- Anyways, we not to digress, but yes, go back and watch John Stossel get his mustache slapped off for fun. <laughs> watch Richard Belzer get choked out by Hulk Hogan. The 80s were weird. <laughs> Don't want to wait another week for the next episode of Asshole Court to come out? Go check out our new and improved Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. You'll get highlights from past shows, and you can join in on the conversation of past asshole court drama. Check us out at AHC Podcast, or leave us a review on whatever platform you listen on. Now, back to the action. And as Hulkamania swept the nation in the 80s, the list of product endorsements were pouring in. The number of Hogan toys, video games, action figures, commercials... The dude was literally everywhere and even had his own font designed and is simply named Hogan Mania. Okay. Apparently the font is available in capital letters with limited punctuation marks. So yeah. like how it says Hulkamania. Yeah. It's he's that's the font. That's the font. Yeah. He also made big giant rubber dolls that I lost in uh, LAX as a child. There you go. Returned to you by fans. That's right. Hogan was named the most requested celebrity of the 1980s for the Make-A-Wish Foundation children's charity. He was featured on the covers of Sports Illustrated, TV Guide, and People magazines, while also appearing on The Tonight Show and having his own CBS Saturday morning cartoon titled 
Hulk Hogan, rock and wrestling. Watch the fuck out of it. Didn't we also talk about in our one of our fireside chats about him having a 900 number I'm back in the day? I'm glad you mentioned that, buddy. He also co-hosted Saturday Night Live on March 30th, 1985 during this lucrative run. AT&T also has reported that his 900 number information line that he ran while with the WWF was the single biggest 900 number from 1991 to 1993. Wow. wow. Which was like the height of 900 numbers. God, how much money yeah. did they rake in off that? Let me tell you, brother. <laughs> Are you going to tell us, brother? Oh, no. I it's like <laughs> at least $75. <laughs> Fans who saw WrestleMania 9 may remember that Hulk Hogan walked into the show donning a black eye. In the storyline, he was jumped off screen by goons hired by his on-screen rivals, Money, Inc., in later years, Hogan would claim that he received the black eye following a jet ski ride just before the show, but his peers would suggest something else. Ooh. A strong rumor would suggest that Hogan received the black eye backstage from Macho Man Randy Savage after Savage learned that Miss Elizabeth, Savage's real-life wife, was having an affair with Hogan's friend while Hogan kept the news a secret from Macho Man. Damn. Man, Miss Elizabeth was hot. R.I.P. R.I.P. She was hot. She slept around a lot because, like, you know. <laughs> Is that truth or, like, storyline? No, it was no, in, pretty true. In, in she ended life. up with a lot of different wrestlers. Yeah. She was essentially, and this is not to disparage her, but uh-huh. she was effectively a groupie that actually became, like, a manager or whatever it was. And Probably she the ended most up famous manager. Yeah, well, one of, certainly one the of 80s, them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, she ended up with like Lex Luger. Uh, when she actually when she passed away, she was with yeah. Lex Luger or whatever. So yeah, I can see it, and it's crazy because I was thinking, oh well, Hogan was fucking boning her, but no, it was he just just his friend keeping yeah. it a his boulder brother yeah. that yeah. he was protecting. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Matt Bourne, who played Doink the Clown on WWE TV. You guys remember Doink <laughs> the Clown? Of course I remember Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown. I just thinking, uh, he was, yeah, he was on WrestleMania, the video game. Yes, he was. And it was, but also, I, I was thinking Jason Bourne. And then, <laughs> and then he immediately said Doink the Clown. So, no, not Jason not Bourne. Not Jason Bourne. Doink the Clown. He corroborated the story in a radio interview while Macho Man criticized Hogan long after they retired. Okay. So somebody back the claim up. Doink the Clown Doink corroborated. The, yep. I'm picturing Doink the Clown, and then it cuts to the CIA room, and he's like, God damn it, that's Jason Bourne. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Doink the Clown straight jams a pen into a dude's eye. Oh! Climbs out of the ceiling. Yeah, dude. Somehow makes it outside. I can't even imagine, though, that they're like, you know, having to have a conversation. They're like, all right, so, Doink, is it true that... Miss Elizabeth was fucking Hogan's friend. I'd love to just sit in on that conversation. You're like, wait, wait, we're asking a clown whether this wrestler's wife is fucking this other wrestler's friend. In real life or yeah. in fake world And life. yeah, and Vince McMahon just like... <laughs> just laughing all the way to the yeah. bank on that one. 1994 was a bad year for Vince McMahon and the WWE, as we'll call him now going forward because it was uh, converted around that time. As Hogan, along with most of the organization, had been implicated in something very ugly taking anabolic steroids. Duh. The government's target was the big boss, Vince McMahon, and they would try to make McMahon out to be the head of a large-scale steroids operation. Hulk Hogan, the public's masculine darling and McMahon's perennial champion, was determined to keep his squeaky clean image intact. He appeared on Arsenio Hall's show to make an impassioned plea for the public's trust, claiming he had only taken a synthetic hormone three times and only to heal from a shoulder injury. In other words, he lied his extremely tan buff ass off. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> yeah. 
Other wrestlers called out Hogan for lying so blatantly on TV, but he stuck to his story until 1994. After receiving legal immunity, Hogan confessed in court that for 13 years, he used steroids to get big. I did it, brother. Yeah. He said. <laughs> My bad. He said, he said I took Wisterall. He said, they give that shit to horses for Christ's sake. <laughs> and I needed it. some ketamine to calm me down. That's from uh, Fight Club when Bob had bitch tits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bodybuilder. <laughs> I took Wisterall. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was obvious they were, all, they were all doing steroids. They were all doing steroids. I mean, Lyle Alzado was what broke the dam. And when Lyle Alzado died or whatever, everybody was, as a Raiders fan, it was like a massive deal. But it was just like, <laughs> dude, he was like, everybody's on steroids. Still that way. Sorry. Yeah. He also vouched for Vince McMahon, claiming the WWE owner never asked him to take steroids. The evidence given by Hogan proved extremely costly to the government's case against McMahon. Due to this and the jurisdictional issues, McMahon was found not guilty. Well, Vince McMahon operates uh, like a mob boss in that sense because he doesn't ask you directly. Right. right? That's how it works. You don't ask them. It's not like uh, you know, the mob boss, like they come and they're like, I need you to kill this guy. <laughs> they're like, uh, so we have a problem. Uh, I would really love to see this guy get taken away. And then they're like, oh, got it, boss. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with this one. McMahon just like, I'd really like to see you guys get real ripped and bigger. swole. I yeah. want bigger, juicier athletes. He's like, I want to see some pecs. I want to be turned on. Wait. <laughs> but, no, that's how it works. And yeah. then, of course, he's going to say they never asked me directly, but legally you have to ask directly. That's how they get away with it. Yeah, plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. For years, people have accused Hogan of maintaining his dominant spot in the wrestling business through backstage politicking. When someone threatening to topple his popularity, Hogan seemed to kick that person down the ladder. One example of that was Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, yes. Hogan refused to lose to him. In fact, at WrestleMania 9, Hart was forced to lose the world championship in an exciting match against the sumo-sized Yokozuna. Yeah, Yokozuna. Man. Lex Luger picked him up. That's right. Almost immediately after Hart's loss, Hogan defeated Yokozuna for the title in less than 30 seconds. In a 2018 interview, Hogan acknowledged being a backstage politician who held other wrestlers back for his own benefit. Well, thank God I was, he added. That's why I made more money than anybody. That's why I kept the belt longer. That's why I had a 35-year run on top. Hogan and his family continued to make the most out of their situation and joined the ranks of the reality show family in a new series called Hogan Knows Best. Unfortunately, these were some of the worst times for the Hogan family. In 2007, Hogan's son Nick caused a tragic car wreck, the TV show got canceled, and the Hulkster's then-wife Linda canceled their marriage after he supposedly slept with their daughter Brooke's best friend. I'm going to be honest. I remember the way that he interacted with his daughter. It was creepy. Yeah. There was a lot of creepiness about it. It, it was very, yeah, it was just very, I think inappropriate, you know, and I get that you like love your daughter, but it felt borderline sexualized sometimes or, and I don't know, you know, I'm not saying that there's anything there. I just don't know, but I remember watching it uh, I didn't watch the show. I just remember like people pointing it out and then they would have like clips on it sometimes. And it, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, it did feel kind of creepy yeah. at times yeah. um, when you it was like he was doing it, but you didn't have to do it. He was already big enough to wear that. That didn't matter. Yeah. He just the way he would talk about her like physique and like it, it like it just felt like it was sexualized. It wasn't a huge fan of that. And also it's a bummer that, uh, you know, his son's buddy fucking boned his 
<laughs> Why? That sucks. <laughs> yeah. On what? His son's a, Terry's a, Terry Belea's son, because this is him catching an L, so he's Terry now. His son, his son's friend fucked his wife. No, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, uh, wait. Are you sure about Terry that? Terry cheated <laughs> on somebody, and that's when his uh, wife canceled no, the... Uh, Hogan fucked his daughter's <laughs> friend. <laughs> okay. Are you sure it wasn't the other way, too? Was they, Did they just have, like, a fuck sesh, like a high school party, and they just went to town like a salad bar? <laughs> All right, I could be wrong. So when he cheated with his daughter's best friend, friend or yeah, whatever, it was being recorded, and he was... Oh, man, it'll come back later. We'll we'll talk about it later. A little teaser for later in the show. But there's stuff recorded in that leaked sex tape from 2007 that's going to come back in a few years. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So, unfortunately, none of this was scripted. And Hogan wasn't the unstoppable force he once played in the ring. Everything got dark. Everything happened at once, Hogan later recalled. Hogan tried to drink away the pain, but booze couldn't numb it. Eventually, desperation set in. In his autobiography, My Life Outside the Ring, the Hulkster recounted the moment it all got to be too much. Blaming his despair on Linda's decision to divorce him, Hogan visited a strip club and basked in the adultation of strangers before returning to an empty home. There he washed down Xanax with alcohol and placed a gun in his mouth. Obviously, I didn't kill myself, but I came damn close. A phone call from Layla Ali, his American Gladiators co-host, changed his mind. A few years later, in 2012, after he had some time to digest the divorce and the cancellation of his show, Hogan decided to let his Hulkamania run wild between the sheets with the wife of his best buddy, Bubba the Love Sponge. That's right. I remember this. Oh, man. After he had it done to him, he does it to like his well, friends? Well, it's, uh, it's a little different this time. According to the Associated Press, Bubba gave his blessing to the extramarital romp and even handed Hogan a condom and said... You guys do your thing. I'll be in my office. That's right, and that's fucking weird. God, that's that's kind of like reminiscent of like uh, what was the guy that was OJ's best friend who went out and got the white Bronco, Al Cowling. You know, and yeah. Oh man, Dude, there's no fucking way you guys are fucking my wife. I'm just putting this out there right now. <laughs> it goes yeah, I think like three ways. <laughs> And not three ways, yeah. just Always, all of yeah. we all agree. There's no way I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna go down and record a podcast. Fuck my wife. Here, dude. here's here's the rubber. I just can't. I just can't. I mean, and this is the thing. Not passing judgment. If that's your thing and you're totally okay with it, that's your personal choice. I just can't wrap my head around being like, eh, fuck her, man. Yeah, go go bone my wife. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's like disrespectful. It's like, yeah, hey, man, why don't you go ahead and get mud all over my carpet and <laughs> clog my toilet? Uh, it's, 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 you know, I, that's, that's probably going to get cut. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's staying in. <laughs> what he didn't give Hogan was any indication that he would be filming their sex sesh. At the end of the video, the love sponge can also be heard telling his wife, Heather, if we ever need to retire, here's our ticket. Oh, oh wow! Now it makes a bit more sense. That shit was premeditated, still, man. God. Hogan later told Howard Stern on his satellite radio show that it was a bad choice and a very low point, and I was with some friends and I made a wrong choice. It has devastated me, and I've never been this hurt. Yeah, and that Ouch. sucks because he was friends above the low, and they—I don't know what happened prior yeah, to that, but all bad news. Yeah, he set up a, a camera and. Recorded Hulk Hogan. How does she feel? She's like, I guess I'll be the honeypot. And looking for a payday. I guess so. And then said it just was a massive disaster for everybody. Bubba's like, I can either go and sell cars or we can make one video. (sighs) 
Now defunct website Gawker got a hold of the footage, leaking parts of it. Furious and humiliated, Hogan, with the financial help of Silicon Valley Peter billionaire Thiel. Peter Thiel, sued the site for $100 million. That's right. Peter Thiel was pissed yeah. off because they had outed him as being gay. Was he? Gawker. Yeah, he's gay. Okay. He was furious they outed him as being gay, and he was like, I'm going to fucking wipe you fuckers out, basically. Retribution. Oh, there's, so. a, there's a documentary on it that's actually fairly interesting because it gets into, like, how do you feel about, like, freedom of press and stuff like that and the ability for, like, these massive tech billionaires or really anybody with massive amounts of money to be able to sort of fund lawsuits, like, weaponize the, the court system against stuff like this. And uh, it's a very nuanced gray slope. area and it depends on how you look at it but and i don't i honestly don't because this is one of the things that i was very familiar with i don't fault hogan for this hogan was pissed off of course you're going to accept the fucking money from peter Thiel or whatever and you're going to try to get the, your name cleared and all this shit like that yeah and, you feel betrayed you know you're already his, at a low point he wanted a sex tape off of the internet and gawker yeah. was the one that was like fuck you it's public information again this is where you, this is where you get into like First Amendment freedom of speech stuff, but yeah, Peter Thiel effectively weaponized the court system against Gawker. And don't get me wrong, Gawker did some sh some some real shitty stuff, but yeah, that's what wiped him out. Well, yeah, but I mean, it goes into all of those like sex tapes. I mean, you have to have the release from both sides. You can't just have one side, and that's like the Pamela Lee and Tommy, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah, Pamela Anderson, and Tommy Lee. Yeah, you know that it got released without any of their approval and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, like. It's not It's not cool. Not cool at all. No. Gawker claimed Hogan's sex life was fair game to share with the public because he was a public figure who had publicly bragged about having a 10-inch dong. That's right. Using Which, his legal name, Terry Balea, in court, Hogan declared Terry Balea's penis is not 10 inches. Yeah. <laughs> Gawker's lawyer tried to clarify the distinction. So you were discussing Hulk Hogan's penis. Yep. The Hulkster and his real self apparently have two different appendages with different lengths. So Hulk Hogan's penis is 10 inches long. Look, brother, the thing is, Terry Belay's is normal size. Brother. Yeah, that's what Terry Compared to my body, so. Terry's catching the L. Hulk Hogan's the winner there. I just, um, it has to be a point there when you are the attorney, a super high-priced attorney that's in a, there on the deposition, and you're like, this is my life now. I'm asking about if a wrestler's dick is a different size than the not-wrestler's dick. Dreaming about a payday. Yeah, yeah, yeah and dude. that's what I hate about the, the lawyers. That's what pisses me off is that they sit there and just manipulate the courts in a way that mm -hmm. it's. I'm gonna sit, just talk. I'm gonna Johnny Cochran my way through this, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't matter about the facts. You know, if you choose to be a celebrity, you're basically fucked. And mm -hmm. that's and they did the same thing to Pamela Anderson, and it was just like you're already in Playboy, so we get to do whatever we want. And it, yeah. but there's releases on that shit. Well, the jury yeah. bought it and awarded Hogan one hundred and forty million dollars and he wound up settling for thirty one. Yeah. And was Gawker was just like, we're shutting our doors. You yeah. ain't getting shut, boy, man. It's tough, though. Like in a situation like that, like if you come across a, a, a once it's like disseminated on the on the Internet, you can't stop it. Yeah. It, yeah. There's no taking it back once yep. it's on the Internet. The biggest blow to Hulkamania was in July 2015 when National Enquirer and Radar Online publicized an anti-black rant made by Hogan on a leaked sex tape video recorded in 2017. Oh, I vaguely remember this. This was the sex tape I was alluding to earlier that was going to come back to bite him. Um, and this is allegedly with his daughter's friend that this tape was recorded and where they got the footage for this. 
In the recording, he's heard expressing disgust with the notion of his daughter dating a black man, referenced by repeating the use of the racial slur, obviously the N-word, right? Man, uh, him and, and him and Dog Chapman. Man. Yeah. yeah, same hair, same problems. Yeah. Hogan also admitted to being a racist to a point. Once the recordings went public <laughs> erupting in the media scandal, Hogan apologized for the remarks, which he said the language is offensive and inconsistent with his own beliefs. Ah, I apologize it. that I got caught. Little brother, thing is I'm like a diet racist, okay? <laughs> like I'm, I mean, I'm racist, right? Like, I mean, who wants to have, like, a big black dude boning your daughter? You know what I'm saying? But also, that's not how I feel. Not really. I mean, I'm saying it, and I mean it, but I also don't feel that way right now. Three and more. they have a real 10-inch dick, and that's really <laughs> frustrating for me. Hulk Hogan, Hulk, they got Hulkster's dick, and, uh, you know, I mean, it fucks with my psyche. Three black wrestlers who worked in the WWF and WCW with Hogan made supportive comments. Virgil commented, Hogan has never given me a reason to believe he's a racist, while Dennis Rodman said he is most certainly not a racist. And Kamala added, I do not think Hogan meant any harm by saying that. Hogan is my brother until he decides not to be. Black wrestlers working in the WWE made a couple different comments. Mark Henry said he was pleased by WWE's no-tolerance approach to racism and that he was hurt and offended by Hogan's manner and tone. Booker T said he was shocked and called the statements unfortunate. So he didn't have much comment there. Yeah, he's like, I'm good. But then I mean, it, it Man, when you, when you say it, you mean it. Oh, yeah, at the end of the day. Especially when it's like... On tape, but it's like secretly recorded. That's how you talk all the time. Right? Yeah, we've exactly. talked about this in multiple shows. We did it with Dog Chapman. It isn't you got caught off guard one time. That's how you talk all, all the, the time. time. In fact, the way you talk in public is different than how you talk in person. Uh, don't Sorry, meet dude. your heroes. You I hate it. it. Diet racist, bro. <laughs> On July 24th, WWE terminated their contract with Hogan, stating that they are committed to embracing and celebrating individuals from all backgrounds. Although Hogan's lawyer said Hogan chose to resign. Yeah. Uh-huh. A day prior, you didn't break it with me. You yeah. broke it with you. <laughs> A day prior, WWE removed almost all references to Hogan from their website, including his listing as a judge for Tough Enough, his merchandise from the WWE shop, and his entry to its WWE Hall of Fame page. Uh, this cancel culture, man. You know what? If Hogan wants to say the N-word, you let him say it. <laughs> now, I'm going to be there. Hulkamania, brother. Why power? Wait. <laughs> forgot, I forgot I could lead that line out. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, you know, it's how he feels deep inside. First Amendment speech. Now, that gawker shit needs to go. <laughs> he also lost his appearance from WWE's 2K15, and his character from the up-and-coming WWE 2K16 got cut during development. In response to the controversy, Mattel stopped producing Hogan action figures, while Hogan's merchandise was taken down from online stores at Target, Toys R Us, and Walmart. This dude got canceled hard. Yeah, yeah but man, he's already had a, a like 25-plus year, year run, year in run the, yeah. as far as like just merchandise and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, all you got to do is not say that N-word, bro, and you'll be all right. On July 28th, Radar Online reported that Hogan had also used homophobic slurs on the leaked sex tape. Days later, it was reported that... Hogan what kind of sex tape is this? <laughs> you know it's, a, it's like a long documentary. I know. <laughs> Behind the scenes interviews. Yeah. He's like, he's like, it's like the, the, the Bond villain scene where he's explaining <laughs> everything that he hates as he's about, he's, he's about to fuck his daughter's friend. Let me tell you what the real thing is, bro, before I lay this pipe to you, girl. It's fucking crazy. Oh, man. 
you're going to be Bone and Terry tonight, not the Hulkster. So uh, I don't have no blank dong. Yeah. The whole reason I came up with this diabolical plan was because I hate black people and my dong isn't big enough. And also, let me talk about the gays for a minute. Now, are you turned on? <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man. Uh, a few days later, after the homophobic slurs that got leaked by Radar Online, it was reported that Hogan had also used racist language in a 2008 call to his then-imprisoned son, Nick, and also said they hoped they would not be reincarnated as black males. Oh, my God. Jesus. Listen here, brother. You got to join the Aryans, okay? Get, I'm, I'm sending you. I'm putting some money on your books now. Get seven honey buns. I want you to find the whitest dude, biggest beard, baldest head, Nazi tattoo, you're going to be safe. And God help us if we, like, die and we get reincarnated as black dudes. (laughs) I called Tila Tequila. She told me about three or four of the guys that you need to talk to in there. It's a fever dream. There is the tie-in with Tila Tequila and her racism and Hulk's apparent alleged... Yeah, he's not, he's not he's not flashing the Zeke Heil. No. He's not rocking the, the SS uh, tattoo, but he's also a racist. <laughs> wow. So he gave an interview with ABC on August 31st in which he pled forgiveness for his racist comments, attributing these to a racial bias inherited from his neighborhood while growing up. Okay, that's fair. Hogan claimed... Not that, not that, that it's fair to be like that, but at least he's being... It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. At least he's being honest and was like, dude, yeah, I've always been a racist, and maybe here's why I think so. Yeah, but he didn't stay in that neighborhood. He went and was I a know. worldwide... At least he's owned it instead of being like, no, no, no. Sorry, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, Randy. go ahead. Hogan claimed that the, the N-word was used liberally among friends in Tampa, while former neighbors disputed this claim. In the time that followed, numerous African Americans expressed some level of support for Hogan, including The Rock, all those I mentioned above who stress the forgiveness of Hogan, whom they say made a positive mark on humanity for over three decades. Well, I'm going to go ahead and side with uh, Terry Hogan on this one. Terry Balea, uh, not about the racism, but about the N word being used frequently, because God knows growing up here in the South, uh, to some extent, it was absolutely used liberally. Yeah. Very frequently. It was uh, when I first moved here. From California, I was blown away. How, I bet you were blown uh, it away. Was, I swear to God, I remember a dude saying it on the bus it, casually, and I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, you can't say that. But And so uh, now we're talking also Tampa, you know, central North Florida in the 70s. They're like, we didn't use that word. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit yeah, you didn't, that's man. True. That's true. I'll never forget. I had a buddy come over and spend the night at my house, and we were about 10 years old. Yep. And he said the N-word in front of my mom. Oh, <laughs> wow. I, mean, I could have picked her drop off the floor. Yeah. In front of Randy's oh, mom. Yeah. Oh, wow. People say whatever they want to, but I remember moving here in the in the, in the early mid-90s and being like, God almighty, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's just casual. It's terrifying. On July 15th, 2018, so about three years later, Hogan was reinstated into the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Later that same night, he was invited backstage to WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view event and was briefly mentioned in the event's kickoff show. Hogan made his on-screen return November 2nd, 2018 as the host of Crown Jewel. Hogan next appeared on the January 7th, 2019 episode of Raw to present a tribute to his longtime friend and colleague, Mean Gene Okerlund. He had died five days prior. So, yeah, Mean Gene was the announcer. Legend. The wrestling announcer. Like, yeah, sure. You think of the guy in the 80s with WWF, that was Mean Gene. It was the first time that Hogan had appeared in the WWE ring in North America since his 2015 firing. Like I mentioned before, Hogan is one of the most requested names in the Make-A-Wish Foundation, 
and he's donated countless hours and lots of money to other charities as well. I read about 15 different stories of Hogan visiting sick kids in the hospital, bringing along other pro wrestlers, and also stroking some serious checks to help out as well. But there was one decision Hogan made that I'm sure he's still second-guessing. Long before George Foreman became synonymous with owning grills, the Hulk Hogan grill was considered. The story here is that Hulk Hogan and George Foreman once shared a manager in 1994. One day, a manager calls Hogan up and asks him if he was interested in endorsing kitchen appliances, specifically a grill. Hogan admitted he had no interest in grills and told his manager to give the grill idea to another one of his clients. Instead, he decided to invest in the Hulkamania meatball maker, (laughs) which flopped. (laughs) Hogan must still be kicking himself over that one. And that, boys, is Hulk Hogan. Okay. Wow. That last little bit reminds me of I've been watching Winning Time on HBO. Yeah, and, great uh, show. Yeah, that was that was a good. Oh, one. it's fantastic! And Magic passed on Nike when yep. he could have had so many like tons of shares of stock. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, I think it was like lifetime loss was somewhere six billion. Yeah, six billion dollars yeah, lost. He's got enough. He's all right. Still want that six billion? Yeah, though. yeah man. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So let's get some final scores for Hulk Hogan, Mikey. What you got? Uh. So there's not tons there about um, Hogan that makes it a lot worse, except for the racism thing. I mean, that's it's just it's there. I don't think that you can say that. I, I'll give him half credit for owning it at the end and being like, "Look, this is sort of what I was raised around, and yes, this is sort of what I was, and it's wrong." Does he really? Does he still feel that way? But it's true. I mean, honestly. He was raised around that. If you're growing up in Florida in the 70s, I promise you, dude, I promise you. Like I said, that's what we were just talking about. So I'm going to bump his score up to, I'm going to bump it up to a six. But what's interesting to me too is that, and it's not surprising because when we were initially talking about them uh, booting him off of, how he got canceled real quick. And there's like the infamous, uh, or not infamous, but famous F. Scott Fitzgerald quote where he says that there's no second acts in American life. No, there definitely are. There's always yep. a second act yep. when oh. it comes to celebrities, and especially like as soon as 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 I heard that they had, were gonna like bump him out of everything, I was like, they're just gonna wait till this blows over. They're gonna bring him back in. He's too big of a star. America loves a comeback story. They absolutely. do, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. they do. I love F. Scott Fitzgerald, but that's one thing he got uh, dead wrong. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, the only real negative I have for him, I'm not even gonna blame him necessarily for the Gawker case because, like I said, I think that's Peter Thiel like weaponizing. The, the yeah, you went off on that pretty hard. That was awesome. It was, it was, it was. Well, just that was his vengeance yeah. on them. You yeah, know, he I, just saw the opportunity. I, I don't, I don't blame him for taking it too. I, like I said, I think it's, it's a larger issue that doesn't need to be covered in this show. It's just giving you sort of the backstory to that Gawker case. But I think the worst part about him is that, yeah, I mean, he was obviously he has some racist tendencies, and that's probably about it. I don't even really fault him for for being really great at the office politics. I mean, a lot of people have to figure that game out in their career and he just did it better than some other people and it's not fair sometimes to guys like Bret Hart who I love Bret Hart but hey man office politics exists in every big company you work for so welcome to the game awesome all right buddy what do you got all right so this is where I'm gonna differ from Mikey on this and that's you know we're we're sitting here on asshole court and you know when you're doing the backstage politics to kind of keep you on top and you're being an asshole in the process by only looking out for you and not looking out for everybody else yeah yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ping you for that you know i'm not saying it's great i'm just saying i sort of accept it that it sort of comes with the territory that's it but uh, but you said that that's in every job it really is you know what i'm not gonna sit there and be like 
good on you, man, for you know throwing oh, me under the yeah. bus. No, you're telling you me. I, I'm not. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying that I'm not surprised. Yeah. No, and that's if it know, wasn't that, Hogan, it would be somebody else that was better at it. No, 100. percent And that's kind of like what I was alluding to in my intro. Um, that you know, I knew that he had to step on people to get to where he's at. Everybody, right. you know, the majority of the people that we cover on this show have to step on people in order to get them to where we're covering them. So, I mean, like, I, I'm not surprised by it, but I don't like it. You know, he cheated on his wife. And oh, yeah. Fuck. He fucked his daughter's friend. Shit. That's <laughs> yeah, also very big. Yeah, that's, that's kind of big. That still adds into the six, though. I'll go with that. You know, he cheated on his wife. Um, and But, you know, a lot of celebrities end up cheating on their spouses and it's, you know, comes with the territory. But I mean, that's everyday life. You know, we all make those choices. And so, yeah, um, he even uh, covered up for Doink the Clown and, uh, <laughs> you know, for Miss Elizabeth. And, you know, uh, yeah, that's uh, when your best friend it, it was him and Randy, the macho man, best friends at that time. They were, or? They were, boys. They were friends, yeah. but I think his other friend was closer. He was closer to think. Doink the Clown. No, Doink was the one that, that, that <laughs> sold it, told the story. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, honestly, like you know, I I wouldn't uh, if if you guys were doing that with some other guy or that wasn't as close to friends with me, I would have a conversation with you and be like, "What you're doing is definitely not cool." But if that dude came to me, it was like, "Is this happening?" I'd be like, nah, "I don't think so. I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> you know it's not I'm my sorry. business. It's not my business. I'm staying out of it. I'm definitely going to protect my closer friends. That's just human nature, I think. Sure. He lied about steroids, but everybody lied about steroids yeah, back in the day. That was. You know, that to was, me, that's yeah. to me, that's obvious. Almost. Yeah, that's more what I, I give him the pass on. In fact, the only liar about steroids is if you think that every professional athlete isn't on some sort of performance in hands <laughs> and drugs, then you're lying to yourself. And yeah, the, the racist. I, I can't get behind that. I mean, like, even when that's how you're brought up, you know, at a certain point that that, that that's wrong. And you just continue to choose to go down that road because it's just easy. Change is hard, but in my opinion, you got to change for what's right. And instead of just being like, "Well, that's the way I was raised. That's the way my daddy raised me," you know that that's bullshit. If we if we continue with that mentality, then we're just fucked forever. So yeah, I, I'm gonna have to ping him up. I originally had him at a five point three, and uh, you know he didn't kill anybody. So I'm not going to jump him up to a seven, but I'm going to jump him up to a 6.3 okay. as a final asshole score for the Hulkster. All right, 6.3. Randy, what you got? Buddy, preaching from the pulpit there. He yeah. felt heavily about uh, his ideas. I liked it. Um, I, I mirror a lot of the stuff you said. I didn't, I guess I didn't remember until I read about it, boning his daughter's friend <laughs> yeah i forgot yeah. until he buddy said i was like oh yeah that's yeah. also bad <laughs> yeah and then like yeah his son got into a bad car wreck and like crippled the guy that rode with him like that tv show just happened to be like just the worst timing as i read about it when doing the research i was like god that was a lot yeah well god um, hates reality television yeah that's his <laughs> that. vengeance yeah um that's yeah you know pro wrestling is a business kind of going back to the politicking thing but you know at, at the end of the day like you know Putting him against some some of the other folks in the courtroom, I'm at like like a five point eight five. I look at Jose Canseco, mm -hmm. and Canseco kind of had that similar, yeah, you know, type deal. I could see Hulk and um, Canseco, Canseco like at Hooters, you know, sharing some wings yeah. and going to town in the Mall of America or Mall of America. Yeah, no, he, said, he said, fuck Hooters. Let's go to Pasta Mania, brother. <laughs> I, I got really a good discount yeah. there, brother. Nobody's eating there, dude. 
<laughs> nobody, nobody thinks about pasta when they Hulk think about Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. What is? <laughs> I love the marketing team. What do people think about when they think about Hulkamania? And food. Oh, well, some of the pasta, dishes, bro. Dishes. Look were at called, his hair. Look at his yeah, hair. Yeah. That looks like pasta. Some of the dishes were called Hulk Roos and yeah. Hulk V's. That's horrible. Was it like SpaghettiOs? Like Hulk Roos? I, I didn't go that far. Which <laughs> member of his family did he hire to run this joint? <laughs> yeah. Pasta, bro. I mean, I'm obviously Italian. All right. With a 6.0 from Mikey, a 6.3 from Buddy, and a 5.85 from Randy. Hulk Hogan's final asshole score is a 6.05. 6.05. Just squeaking past my boy. Oh, man. Just over Steven Seagal at a 6.0. <laughs> and just below Adam Newman and Dwayne the Dog Chapman at 6.08. Oh, yeah. That's a, and we were, we brought, we'd made the correlation between dog and yeah. Hulk. You know. Boy, we're dog, getting, we're dog helped kill a guy. Between like Dog the Bounty Hunter, Jose Canseco, and Hulk Hogan, I could see them. Yeah, if you had some sort of like, and like, like a charity golf tournament, Frankenstein thing, where you like <laughs> juice them all and then create a child out of it. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Good stuff. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. Like I talked about earlier in the episode, this was based off of a Patreon poll that we put up. So go check us out on Patreon.com/slash/AHCPodcast to join. Get all the uh, stickers and swag. Get voting power. All the cool stuff. We release the episodes early on Patreon as well. So uh, lots of great stuff there. We appreciate all the support. So be kind to one another. And we will see you next time on Asshole Court. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah.